Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are continuing our journey through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Today we'll be talking about Chapter 8, The Hearing. The Hearing. And we, like, at the very end we talked about it, whether or not here this was the same type oh, yeah. play. Like in the first paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> we laughed when I saw, t- opened up the book and saw that. I Pretty was like, much oh. everything that we, I was inquiring about the last chapter jk rowling just came out and said yeah here you go this is that same place all the same so last time we talked about chapter seven the ministry of magic here on broomsticks and butterbeer and in that chapter harry is heading to his expulsion hearing which we're going to talk about a little bit here because it turns out the ministry of magic doesn't even have the power to expel students from hogwarts nope so it's not really much of an expulsion hearing it's more of a i'm going to break your wand in half hearing yeah i think he does say disciplinary gotcha or something later like well maybe i put expulsion in there maybe i put that out into the ether and well the first i I kind of thought that it was the first letter was telling him he was going to be expelled present your wand we're going to break it blah 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 it turns out uh you don't have the power to do that nope it's no, kind of like when our former president was saying he was going to do this and this and this. Oh, it turns out you don't have the exact power to just do that. You can't just do things just because you want to. <laughs> there are rules. It's so, so like we're talking to a, there are guidelines. To a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just do things because you want to. Uh, a first grader, but he's a little, little, little tiny first grader. Uh, he was a little tiny when he was in kindergarten, too. He came out of his classroom screaming. He got tinier? He got smaller, I swear. Oh, my did. goodness. Well, everybody else got bigger. He stayed the same. Mm. So he just looks smaller. Gotcha. He came out of his classroom screaming and crying at dismissal on Friday. And I said, what's wrong? And he said that he wants to ride the bus. But he, but his teacher said he's a car rider. Okay. So it's the teacher's <laughs> fault. <laughs> yeah. He was so upset. I'm like, we, you, can't just, you can't just go home however you yeah. want. I had a kindergartner, speaking of which, I had a kindergartner on Friday who was a car rider, had had his little name tag on it, and it had uh, the word car on it, so we can identify these mm-hmm. <laughs> these cattle. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a first grade that carry around index cards. I like with it. With their name. Present and, your index card. And how they go home. <laughs> Identification. <laughs> I need to see your travel you guys, papers. <laughs> these are like, like the Gestapo in Germany. <laughs> Your travel papers, please. Uh, But he just started going the opposite way to where there were no adults. He was going toward this this back door, and I I run and stop him. This was totally not my 
yeah, person to cover. To something else. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of a utility player. I'll I'll go wherever they they need me to. Mm-hmm. If there's a kid just wandering the wrong way, I will uh, go and and intercept him. And I said, "Where are you going?" He said, and he looked at me like I was stupid. Just, of course, I'm going home. <laughs> This is a five-year-old. Like, okay. A five-year-old. I go, And I look at his thing again, I, and it says car rider. I said, do you ride the car? He goes, yes. <laughs> Duh, Mr. Rhino. And he was going out this back door to nothingness. <laughs> and one of the kindergarten te- teachers saw me talking to him and said, blah, 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 get over here. <laughs> What would it best is if it was if it was the door to that little courtyard you have in yeah. the center where like, where it, it literally, literally is a door to where you can go no further. Yes, it's just and a, it locks when you go out too, <laughs> so, so you're locked out there. Remember, we had the girl that climbed out the window uh-huh. into our courtyard, uh-huh. and and there was nowhere for her to go. Spent the day out there, I guess. Just trapped. She was <laughs> hiding behind the wall so nobody would see her. But there are windows all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's a th- three sixty view. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day that, man, this generation of kids is, is like, going to be the smartest. I No. Right <laughs> <Probably> not. <laughs> Try again. Just going. I'm going to need you to take a seat. I'm going to need you to take many seats. <laughs> You're just going to go out into the courtyard and get yourself trapped. There you go. And you know what? Um, survival of the fittest. You know, if you're going to... Maybe you'll starve out there. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody... <laughs> I we, just we knocked throw, on the window really hard. We've got turtles out in ours that we throw uh, Scraps, carrots and stuff out to. I'm sure they yeah. could forage on those for several days. Same here, turtles. Well, Harry is heading to whatever hearing it is. He's wearing je- uh, jeans and a t-shirt, so he's looking to make a really good impression. Uh, Arthur and Harry take the subway to the ministry, and Arthur is enthralled by the trip. There's a rundown old telephone booth that's a secret passage to the visitor's entrance of the Ministry of Magic. We get a glimpse of all the different departments within the ministry. Arthur runs into Kingsley Shacklebolt, another member of the Order of the Phoenix, and they have to pretend that they don't really have a close connection to keep the Order a secret. Plot twist toward the end of the chapter. The time and location of Harry's hearing have been changed, and with very little notice. And Harry needs to head to the hearing right now. He's already a few minutes late, in fact. And more than that, the hearing is in the old courtrooms, presumably in the dark basement of the ministry. The deep, dark basement. And he even kind of refers to it as like a dungeon room. Mm-hmm. Like, like and, you're in the And dungeon. if you look at the chair that he's expected to sit in, it's very much a dungeon chair. Uh, so chapter eight, the hearing. Let's get into it. Uh, like you alluded to on the last episode, this is indeed the last court, the same courtroom that Harry had not only seen in the Pensee, but he had actually experienced being in this room before because the Pensee not only gives you a view, it actually is almost like a, an immersive virtual reality experience. Yeah, so not for reals, but like the virtual reality version of it. Which brings up the question that I had asked in the last episode. Why are we hosting a minor offense hearing in the same courtroom where some of the worst wiz- wizards and witches in history were sentenced to a lifetime in Azkaban? Um, well, apparently it was a seating issue because Harry said there was like 50 witch- witches and wizards. There was like 50 people there. Yeah. 50 people on like well the, att- the it was, jury. It was a well-attended hearing. Yeah. Well, they were not just spectators. Like they were there yeah. to decide. Yep. The, like the official people. Well, there couldn't have been spectators. There were no chairs. 
Yeah. Well, uh, there were, he said there were bleachers, like the seats, but they were all empty ah, on the side. Gotcha. But in the front, there was like 50 people in the official robe, purple robes. Well, maybe, maybe the people, uh, they would have attended the hearing if it was in more comfortable seating, but uh, bleachers are kind of bad on your lower well, back. But also the time change, people didn't get the notice. That's true. They probably would have had tons of people there. Like, someone was supposed to be in some lady's office with just like her and Harry. But now we've changed it to this giant room, this giant courtroom with all these. I don't, they're not really the jury. It's more of like a council mm-hmm. that Count. decides the fate. It reminded me of Superman, Superman the movie, when Zod and uh, Ursa and Nan, the three. The people that wear the black. Yeah. Weird outfits. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, and they, they're I on don't Krypton. Know their names. They're on Krypton and they're being, they're in that big empty room, like with the light shining on them. And then there's like just 50 like faces floating in the air and they're guilty. Guilty. <laughs> guilty. That's what it reminded me of. Just this dank, dark room and there's like a hundred dudes there. And they're way <laughs> high up to be intimidating. Yep. That's what, that was another thing I was going to ask you about. But it reminded me of, uh, actually, I think it was the beginning of... So those bad guys show up in Superman 2, but I think that scene was actually in the beginning of Superman 1 where they go into like the, the little um, the little breath strip thing that you used to put on your tongue. You know, the little uh, the little uh, square strips, uh, breath strip yeah, things, you know what I'm talking little, about? Yeah, they're green, and you pull them <laughs> they, out. And you, yeah. They get put into this like breath strip, <laughs> which is the phantom zone, and they go, oh, hurtling for uh, for the, fir- the whole first movie, and then they... Uh, get out in the second movie and wreak havoc. So that's what it reminded me of, because I'm a big dork. <laughs> uh, even the chair that Harry sits in, kind of uh, what I just said a second ago, some of the worst wizards in the world were tried in this courtroom and put into the worst wiz- wizarding prison in the world. Yeah, so he literally sat in the chair where, like, Bellatrix yeah, the Strange sat. the worst sat of the worst. While she was being tried for... Horrible, horrible things. Murder and all kinds of things. And torturing Neville's parents and all kinds of stuff. Unforgivable curse usage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even the so even the chair that he sits in, it's the same chair that, like you said, that locks the wizard or witch down so they can't try to escape. Chains that like wrap around him. And he was afraid that the chains were going to wrap around him. He said they kind of jingled. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're just going to let you know we're here just in case you start to think of any funny business. But to me, this hearing is like the equivalent of like. A misdemeanor in the wizarding world. Okay, it's like going before the Supreme Court for a parking ticket. Yes. You know that's what that's what. And sitting in the electric chair while you're being tried. Right. What? What? <laughs> yeah. What Harry did is so low on the the list. It's even below the the peop- the kids who were making the toilets explode in the last chapter. <laughs> it's even below that to me. But. We're doing it in this room, obviously, for a reason. There's obviously some shenanigans going on here. And it just, it lines up with the the last-minute time change, the last-minute venue change. Uh, Those are power moves? Those are power moves. Mike Scott said that on The Office. From The Office. Those are power moves. (laughs) Uh, Talking, low-talking, so the person has to lean in. Or not Uh, initiating the talking. Last-minute change of venue. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, these are all things that Michael looked up on, on the internet. 
in order for his negotiation with Daryl on the office. So if you have the office on your bingo card, make sure you punch that and Superman. And Superman or Superman 2. Oh, I thought it would just be like Superman, like anything Superman. I don't know who makes these bingo cards. I don't know either. I think Catherine was making them for a while. She was. She was very interested in them. Yeah. I don't know. Catherine was really interested in our podcast for a while, and now she seems like she's not that into it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's just kind of the feel I get. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so we got about 50 wizards in, in these raised benches, all hovering over Harry. You kind of said this a second ago, but what do we make of the, like, the layout of this courtroom? Is this just like a power trip thing? Is this like an intimidation thing? Like overall, I think it's yeah. Um, I think, like you said, it it was a power move. It was kind of to throw anyone who was going to come to Harry's defense off. Mm-hmm. Maybe they wouldn't get the message. Maybe they wouldn't show up. Maybe they would show up and not know where to find them because why would they be down there in the dungeon torture? Which they don't even use those rooms apparently anymore. Arthur was even thrown off by that, and he works there every day. So I think it was a bit of that. I think it was also to kind of put Harry in that category. Like, mm-hmm. he has kind of a celebrity status, but we're, we've been trashing his reputation all summer in the newspaper. And then to kind of put him in that spot, people are, so now all these 50 wizards that are there are looking at him in that chair where they looked at people who did awful, horrible things. It kind of makes you have... Have, like, an association. Yeah, absolutely. So, just the fact that he's there and he's sitting in that chair, he must have done something horrible. For us to be here right now in this dungeon space that we haven't used since the fall of the Dark Lord, and now this kid is sitting here, he must have done something horrible. Yeah, it seems like they're really making an example out of him, too. Uh, And... And I didn't even think of that until you said that, but maybe there's, you know, because of Harry's positive connection with Dumbledore, we know Fudge is very anti-Dumbledore, and that's going to come to a a, a screaming head in, in this chapter here, uh, Fudge's frustration with Dumbledore and vice versa. But maybe, the, you know, kind of an example, you know, we're going to use Harry's celebrity status against him. If you are taking sides with Dumbledore, this is how you're going to be seen. And this is a way for us to kind of use our our propaganda machine to make ourselves look good and make Dumbledore and Harry look bad. Paint the picture we want people to remember. Uh, Cornelius Fudge is, of course, there as the head of the ministry, front and center. And Fudge's demeanor is very different here in Book 5 than in previous books, isn't it? Yeah, even his attire. Like, mm-hmm. he's changed his wardrobe. Not wearing the, the, the prince boots anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no more lime green. This is this is serious business now. I just... Fudge always kind of struck me as kind of a... Not a nincompoop, but, you know, kind of just... You know, not just, like, the most with-it guy. He's just... He just kind of reminds me of, like, um, like a, a Ludo Bagman... Or a Lockhart, Lockhart, just kind of, kind of good with people, like loopy, charisma, yeah. but not really smart, yeah. smart. Yeah, but just like kind of like a like a loopy kind of personality that 
is not like you wouldn't want them. I always use the example of if 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 I could trust somebody to hold my dog. That's the best one. <laughs> that's like the biggest like compliment I I could give somebody. And there's people that I work with that I would trust to hold my dog. And there's people that I see every day at work that I would absolutely not trust to hold my dog. And these are presumably educated <laughs> educators. They're responsible for 20 children at a time, but I'm not giving you my dog. And Fudge is not the kind of guy that I would trust to hold my dog. Now, honestly, I just, I just wouldn't. No, he's going to get distracted. He's going to hold the leash too loose. and. But in this chapter, he's... He's he's not that guy anymore. He's like very serious. He's not there's he and he's always been very like overly friendly with Harry. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of I think trying to kind of ride uh, that yeah ride that status. ride that right exactly like ride the coattails of that. Uh, like, I'm friends with Harry Potter. Cult of personality that he has. But in this chapter, he's just he's almost like I'm going to be serious ministry guy because I'm very anti Dumbledore. And this is one way that I can really assert my dominance here. Well, and it's not just anti-Dumbledore. I mean, Dumbledore is the one pushing Fudge. But it's really because of the statements that Harry made. You know, Harry's the one who went to the graveyard. Harry's the mm-hmm. one who saw Voldemort. Harry's the one who came back and said what happened. Mm-hmm. It's and Harry's he- story that could potentially be trouble for the political career of Cornelius Fudge. Yeah. And but it's Dumbledore who's kind of taken up the the mantle for you know he's not putting Harry up there and saying here tell the whole world what you said Dumbledore's doing that himself and so they they've disagreed on how to mm-hmm. well yeah Dumbledore, I'm not gonna say they disagreed on how to handle it they disagreed on whether or not whether it, it even, even existed yeah yeah Dumbledore's kind of the face of the anti fudge so discrediting team. I mean so he's got a grudge against Harry because Harry's the one who started all of this trouble and discrediting harry is the best way to knock dumbledore down if if nobody believes what harry said then they're not going to believe dumbledore well percy is here percy apparently moving up the ladder at the ministry after abandoning abandoning his family someone else is there too uh percy is the we're going to get to that percy is the court scribe but there's some other notable notable names on the official panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to the most mm-hmm. infamous, I want to just talk briefly about Amelia Bones. Amelia Bones? The head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. And I'm guessing there's some relationship to Susan Bones. I'm sure there is, Daniel. The Hogwarts student. And the main reason I know Susan Bones is because she's a Hufflepuff and sh- her character is in the Puffs play. <laughs> Ten or nothing! Available now on Amazon, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just rent it or buy it. Rent it, buy it, whatever you want to do. Just uh-huh. do it. Just, just do, do it. it. Or if you're in, uh, if you're somewhere where it's playing, go see it. Yeah. They, I saw it up in New York, and then locally they did a production of it here. Uh-huh. Very good. You and I went in our robes. We did. We got candy and all kinds of, we got to interact with. Oh, got the little paper crown. Uh-huh. I, I did a little fantastic. party, I did a little party popper thing. Yeah. Oh, none, none of the kids got to interact with the. <laughs> <laughs> with the production but we did it kind of reminds me of when we went to uh universal universal studios in in florida and you had your 
uh, Quidditch, Quidditch robe on, on yeah. and we went into Ollivander's. And normally they pick some kid to do like do the thing and interact like with like the whole wand. Yeah, do the whole wand skit. Select, There's a whole the wizard story skit. in there. But no, uh, Jessica Rhino got chosen over all the disappointed children. You were okay the, with it. The small adult in a Quidditch robe got yep, to you do were, it. You were okay with uh, disappointing children that night? Yep. And, and pretty much any day you're okay with that. It was that. fun. <laughs> uh, so Amelia Bones, like I said, is there. But there's also the first appearance of one of the most infamous characters in all of Harry Potter lore. The senior undersecretary to the minister, Dolores Jane Umbridge. Hmm. And we asked a question. It was you more of a... growling on here anywhere? I don't think so. We could add we it. Could do this. Rubbish. Rubbish. We... We kind of, before we did our trivia at C2E2 this past year, we did a, a few like poll questions to kind of get everybody used to the, the interactive the features of the, of the trivia. Cause we, people answered, logged in with the code and they answered on their, uh, mobile devices. So we did a few like, what, what Hogwarts house are you? Uh, who would win in a cat fight, Crookshanks or Mrs. Norris? And one that I had was which character is scarier? Voldemort or Dolores Umbridge, and Umbridge was the overwhelming winner here. Because it is the correct answer. So normally, and I even said that, normally in a poll there is no correct answer, but in this one there is a correct is. answer. What What is it about Umbridge? We get a little bit, a little taste of it in this chapter, but what is about her that makes her such a good bad guy? Um, well, you, you have, I mean, you saw the movies years mm. ago. You haven't even really experienced, like, the real her from the books, which, you know, we'll get to eventually. But um, I think the consensus is, is just she's just more real. Like, you could, you could have a teacher that acted like her. You could meet someone or you could work with someone who is like her. Voldemort is such a... Pretty sure there's a few in Congress right now. <laughs> <laughs> such an over-the-top character. And, you know, he's almost like a caricature of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You don't know anybody like him. Yeah, he, he's he's like a horror movie villain, almost. Yeah. Like he, something that could very exist much in, not the, real. in the realm of possibility. But she is very much real. Mm-hmm. She, her, her very... Um... I don't want to say crazed, but like radical ideas, which is crazed. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody in a position of, of power that too, could force that, these ideas. That's a perfect storm it's of horrible potential nonsense. And she has a tendency for cruelty too. Like she, her methods are very cruel. So we're going to presumably get a lot more umbrage going forward, but plot twist. Harry is not going to face this tribunal alone. Who's here, Jess? Dumbledore! Here I come to save the day. This is the very famous one where he says his full name. And it's all these long, crazy names. Brian. Brian. Dumbledore. Love it. And Fudge has not been seen eye to eye with Dumbledore, as we know, since the events of the last book. A lot of privileges have been taken away from Dumbledore. The uh, Order of Merlin, including... He used uh, to be his, on. his seat on this panel. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But Fudge being genuinely thrown off by Dumbledore being there, I mean, that, that says a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was part of the goal uh-huh. was changing the time, changing the location, 
pushing it up mm-hmm. was that Dumbledore would not show up. It's very they much were, in the same vein of why Harry was late as well. They were really trying to avoid this exact. And he was like, oh, by happy coincidence, I got here three hours early. Mm-hmm. So he, Dumbledore knows that there's shenanigans going on within the ministry. He planned on it. And, and he it is he's trying to stay a couple steps ahead. And he's really smart. And it's like, going to get it's going to increasingly probably get more difficult for him, especially now that some of the people I think kind of know that Dumbledore's kind of on to him. Mm-hmm. But like like you said he's very smart and you're you're going to have to it's going to be a special kind of day where before you're going to get one over on old Brian Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> um yes, and this this part this whole conversation that they have is just so perfect. He Dumbledore stays so calm, so polite, mm-hmm. and words everything phrases it just right that you almost by either agreeing or disagreeing with him, you're contradicting yourself. Mm-hmm. He's just that good mm-hmm. at having the conversation. There's definitely some uh, cerebral gymnastics going on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were several times that Fudge like literally couldn't speak or make a comment because he knew one way or the other he was in a corner. So there's definitely some less than kosher things happening inside the ministry, it seems. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But before we get there... Uh, talk a bit about the dynamic between Harry and Dumbledore in this chapter. We know that Harry and Sirius kind of bonded in the last few chapters over their displeasure with Dumbledore lately. But there's like a weird energy between Harry and Dumbledore here. Dumbledore is not as like doting as he normally is. Now you all know I don't pick favorites, but Harry, he is my favorite. What's what's kind of I, the kind of a weird energy here? I think he's trying to keep his distance, and so that it isn't just like, oh, well, you're just saying this because he's your favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there is. I mean, that, that's the whole joke. We don't have favorites, but Harry's my favorite. Another line from Puffs, by the yes. way. Go see it. Fantastic play. Ran it. Um, but he can't show that. He can't make it look that way right now you know it just wouldn't really be professional but it also just wouldn't help their case at all if it kind of stinks though too for harry because harry kind of really needs that comfort needs to be comforted right now you know he doesn't have anybody Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a father figure he doesn't have family you know mrs weasley's great um but he does look up to Dumbledore. Dumbledore's not not like a father figure, but some kind of relation a po- figure. A positive male figure in yeah. his life. And now he feels like he's been cut off. He's, Dumbledore won't even look at him. Mm-hmm. But it, And Harry doesn't understand that, but I think it is important mm-hmm. right now in this moment for Dumbledore to not look like he has a favorite. Now, you all know I don't pick favorites, but Harry, he is my favorite. And not only will Dumbledore not look at him, it kind of just stacks on to kind of the feelings that that Harry's had the last several months, and that Dumbledore doesn't 
why Dumbledore sent me back to be with my parents? Like everybody said, well, Dumbledore's got a reason for everything he does. Like this is like the the most horrible place I could be. And why why would you put me there? And why would you cut off communications with me? And why would you tell everybody not to you know tell my friends not to communicate with me and tell my godfather not to communicate with me? And now, okay. Now I'm kind of feeling positive about this guy because he's here, you know, to, he's here to back me up, but he won't even look at me. Mm-hmm. You know, so like like I said, it was just a really weird dynamic. But like you said, it's probably Dumbledore's very smart, and he knows that this is probably crucial to saving Harry's case. Yeah, he wants it to look like he's there because this is so utterly ridiculous i'm just here to set things straight mm-hmm. just just the facts ma'am and it has nothing to do with the student that's sitting who is sitting here who doesn't matter you're i'm just setting straight the law one of the other things about this panel that kind of rubs me the wrong way is their refusal to even acknowledge the possibility that dementors were present in the underpass incident at all and insinuating that harry is making it all up and the reason that kind of it doesn't sit right with me is the ministry obviously has capabilities to know exactly when and where an underage wizard is improperly using magic, right? Yes. They can immediately like the time. they can immediately send a, a letter there, you know, to the exact place at this time on this day you did this spell. But the ministry doesn't have any way of identifying when and where dementors show up. You would think that they would, uh, maybe, but they don't say that. They don't say our records indicate that you know. Which have, is nonsense. That's nonsense. Even if like they had a way to track them, but these Dementors somehow slipped their tracking bracelet. Yeah, they slipped their ankle bracelet off and <laughs> and put it on a dummy for the day or whatever. <laughs> put um, it on a, a chicken. It's just walking or, back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to remember. I was like, they put it on something. Um, Ant-Man put it on the ant who was drumming, drumming. in the Like, in he's the been drumming for the past eight and a half hours. Ant-Man 2, if you have Ant-Man 2. On your bingo, bingo cards, bingo make sure you mark or that. Or Ant-Man. We'll accept Ant-Man, Ant-Man as well. Um, so, they're not even saying that. They're not saying, we, we know because we can track them. Mm-hmm. They don't say that at all. But I think they're also unprepared for that argument. Like, mm-hmm. Fudge was prepared. He said, oh, yeah, I thought we'd hear some story like this. Likely but, story. But he was not prepared for a witness. So he was he was ready to just dismiss it as kids lie and he's telling some story. And he wasn't going to have to back up or have any evidence on his side that there are no Dementors there. Um, and Dumbledore says, you know, well, obviously you'll need to investigate. Obviously there will be an investigation that will clear all this up. Very, very sarcastic. Very. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not telling you what to do. I mean, obviously that's, the, be, that's what has to be done. Surely this will be what happened. If there were Dementors that weren't where they're supposed to be. Surely we're at least going to look into this. But I'm really surprised there's not kind of some kind of like ministry CSI that can review the scene and find traces that the Dementors left behind. You know how the Ghostbusters would find like the ectoplasm. <laughs> maybe, maybe there kind of is, but they weren't. That's not. It wasn't in. That wasn't Fudge's goal. Mm-hmm. You know, his goal is just to go after Harry and say that he was lying and he did something wrong. Well, this is just government 
misconduct? Yeah. It's just blatant. That, just blatant. You that know. word comes in there somewhere. Or something. He mm. says, would this be... Oh, that was later when he was talking about you don't have the authority to expel kids from mm. Hogwarts. You don't have the authority to punish people for things that happen at Hogwarts. You don't have the authority to take their wands. I think he said something in there about that would be misconduct. Yeah, I mean, this is just like gross government, you know, mi maybe misappropriation of powers. This is mm -hmm. this really like the type of stuff that would get somebody like impeached in the muggle world. Yeah, because they did no investigation into it. No, they just no. brought charges upon him. Yeah, like totally not a fair trial at all. Yeah, I mean, the whole point was you're guilty because we know you did magic. Come in for your trial. Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute, what? It's kind of like the, uh, you know, we, there's you hear stories and about the government unlawfully holding prisoners in like Guantanamo Bay or something like that and torturing them and they do it there so nobody knows about it, you know, in the in the United States because it's totally against, you know, every treaty and, and every rule of engagement that's ever been uh, created in the world. And it seems like Fudge kind of feels like he was going to be able to just get away with just doing whatever he wanted to because of his position. And yeah, Dumbledore's just, Dumbledore's just ruining Harry's life. And Dumbledore's there to to call him on on every punch he throws. You know, Dumbledore's back, able to come back with the counter punch, mm -hmm. and eventually the knockout punch. But it seems it either seems like the Ministry or or some major members within it are either openly conspiring to do bad things, or they're just super inept. And maybe it's a bit of both. You know, we like bit to say a bit of both on, on this show. Yeah, I think she did a good job when she was writing the scene. And Harry observed that some of the people on the council were, like, total on board with Fudge. There was even and a couple the in people the back that were waving to Dumbledore are when not he came so in. much. Hey! On the, hey! There you are! Hey, it's been a while! Mm -hmm. Remember us? A couple ladies. Um, ladies love Dumbledore. Yes, we do. Um, but yeah, the, it wasn't obviously 100% behind Fudge. It was split. There were some mm -hmm. people that were like, yeah, 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 get yeah. him. And other people were like, wait a minute. We didn't do an act. We, we didn't look into this. There was no <laughs> investigation. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> and then there were the ones that were just fixated on the fact that Harry can make a Patronus. Mm -hmm. What? You mean like like smoke and stuff? Yeah, like some silver light, right? No, I'm doing it for the a year. The stag was running around and you were controlling it too? Yeah, yeah doing, doing it, doing it for, for a, like year. a year. You're 15! They teach you this at Hogwarts? And so I'm just like, whoa, go, whoa, 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 let's not get off track here. Yeah, let's not be impressed by the kid who did horrible this things. This is maybe like the only time where Fudge was the reasonable <laughs> person. <laughs> Where he was like, okay, let's focus on the trial now. Even though in a trial you're tried for one thing, you can't, it's called, you know, double jeopardy. You can't be tried for other things you've done before as well. Fudge was trying to, oh, what about the time at, he, at Hogwarts he did this and he did this and he did this. Well, that's not what you're being tried for right now. That's what, not what the hearing yeah, is he for, brought Fudge. Up the, the, the one he got a written warning for, mm -hmm. which was the levitating that yep. Dobby did. Yep. And Dumbledore's like, 
uh, that was a house elf. I can have him here in a second. I am not wasting my time talking to a house elf. <laughs> Fudge is also probably look little. Uh, Breedus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little bias, I yeah. think. And then he's like, that time he blew up his aunt. And like, and you said yourself that not all young witches and wizards can control their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back when you you were cool, you yeah. and Harry were cool. You, you were like, like gave you him want, ice cream or yeah, something. Yeah, you wanted to be like best buddies with them because it would, you know, up. You're probably up for re-election or something, and you wanted to have the celebrity endorsement. The photo op. Jess is doing the arm around the with a thumb up. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, y'all. For, for those of you that subscribe to the video feed of <laughs> of uh, Broomsticks and Butterbeer, soon to be available on uh, Patreon. What's that? Patreon is a it's a website where you can pledge money to like your favorite podcast every month, and you get like perks from it. So oh, okay. if, if you pe- pledge like five dollars a month, maybe you get the podcast like ad free. Or maybe if you p- pledge $10 a month, you get uh, the podcast three days early before it drops for everybody else. If you pledge $20 a month, maybe you get like uh, like a podcast t-shirt and like all the other tiers below it. Remember, you know, like PBS used to do the, <laughs> the pledges and you would yeah. get the tote bag if you gave like $600. Ooh, but pa- Yeah, Patreon is for, it, it sounds like Patronus, but... But it's not. Yeah, Patreon is a, a website. And say, we don't do that because we don't really, we don't usually have ads on the cause, show. Because we don't play favorites? No, you all know I don't pick favorites, but Harry, he is my favorite. I mean, if you want to advertise with us, shoot me an email, broomsticks.boderbeer <laughs> at gmail.com. We have very reasonable rates. Yeah. I was just thinking our video feed would just be like of what the dogs are doing while mm-hmm. we're recording. Yeah. Right now they're just taking a nap. Hey, if you want to send so. us 50 bucks a month, I'll give you access to all the cameras in our house, <laughs> including... No, that's a little creepy. No, it's not. There's only one in the living room. There's not, not, not one in the bathroom or anything. There's one in the living room. There's one in the kitchen. There's three outside. They can have access to 50 bucks a month, Jess. Mm, okay. You like Kohl's? You like going to Kohl's shopping? 50 bucks a month? <laughs> Go buy some things at Kohl's, Jess? I bought something at Kohl's today. Yeah, I hate Kohl's. It's like the worst place in the world outside of Azkaban. I'm sure they got Dementors sucking the fun out of everything there. It's really weird. That's why I feel so cold and They remodeled everything. It's all different. They've like buddied up with like another store. So one store, one door still says Kohl's and the other door says Sedona or something. Mm. And and so it's like two stores in one now. It's really weird. Sounds awful. Uh, Another plot twist. Can I get a witness? Yeah. D- Dumbledore came prepared with witnesses as Mrs. Fig joins the courtroom to give her eyewitness statement on the incident. And I think you kind of mentioned this earlier because of like kind of the, the set out of uh, the layout of the room of the courtroom. But why is Mrs. Fig so put off by the courtroom and everything that comes with her courtroom experience? Because she is really rattled when she goes in there. Is it just because of the 50 judges and some of them are like back in the shadows like vampires i think because of her squib status she's technically like a reject from Mm. the world so she feels kind of lesser than and i don't think she's experienced it like they don't Mm. she's never been to the ministry of magic and then she's going and she probably thought uh, you know oh we're gonna be in somebody's office you're just talking to one person which is what the original plan was and now all of a sudden she's been whisked downstairs to this dungeon and there's 50 people staring at her and she 
I'm sure she knows, you know, once I they find out that I'm a squib, they're going to look at me a certain way. Oh, yeah. And they do. Mm-hmm. So I think she's rightfully flustered and uh, nervous about being there. It's, Just, a very, it's a very status-heavy panel that we got here. A lot of the, the, the heavy hitters on this panel are very... Uh, proud of their their lofty status in the wizarding community and kind of look down on anybody who's not at that status obviously he doesn't have time to listen to a house elf nope or a squib apparently but mrs fig is able to get her seemingly heavy heavily practiced (laughs) recounting of the uh, evening out well the first part of it is a lie because she was there Mm -hmm. watching over harry but they right she don't want to admit that part. So, yes, I'm sure Dumbledore drilled into her. Remember, you were not following Harry around. Let's go with uh, you needed to buy some cat food at the store. And then things got a little overly detailed. Like, mm-hmm. I was at the corner store on this street <laughs> and that street at exactly at this time. Eastern time. And I, because I needed cat food for my cats. I have lots of cats. And I went to their store to get the food for them. And, like, she just got very overly detailed with it. She ends up uh, doing Turning it around, yeah. Yeah. Once she gets into the actual real facts, that she doesn't have to remember Mm -hmm. anything false to say, she um, she does well because she just has to tell the truth. You mentioned it earlier, but Dumbledore is really cool in this chapter, and he's got fudge so rattled. Yes, that we keep uh, getting updates on the color of his skin, how mm-hmm. purple he's turning mm-hmm. from Harry. Yeah, it eventually got to a word that I never heard before. So yeah, it, it reminded me of prune, though. Prunish. Mm-hmm. Prunice? Prun- I don't remember what it was said. Pruniciousness, I believe. Is Something like that. It just made me think of prune, so uh, it's like, yeah, it had an air of prunacity. Oh. <laughs> How about that? I got a, a word of the day calendar on my desk now, and I'm trying to figure it into my daily conversations. Yeah, and some of them were just words I make up, like prunacity, Alrighty which is then. the act of being prunish. And uh, the fact that Dumbledore has got... The fact that it's Dumbledore that's rattling Fudge so much just makes Fudge even more upset because it's Dumbledore that's, that's, that's getting him. to him. And he probably went in the the as the minutes ticked by and Harry didn't show up. He was he was ready. He yeah, he's getting he more confident. Sure, he did it. He was so clever. I figured out a way to to deal with this problem. Mm-hmm. He was patting himself on the back. And even if the boy does show up, he's isolated from the only he has person no that could really help, to help him. him. Mm-hmm. Like Arthur wasn't even allowed to go nope. in. He had to go in by himself completely unprepared for what to do because he was also told he was just going to be sitting in an office talking to one lady well dumbledore isn't exactly i wouldn't say he's like smarmy or snarky in this chapter but he is like i said earlier a little sarcastic a little coy in in his delivery, like surely the ministry, or or I would assume that the ministry would be launching a full investigation into why Dementors would be so far away from Azkaban. Yeah. Well, two, I get the feeling that like Susan, it's not Susan Bones. That's Amelia. Well, the, it's Amelia Susan Bones. Oh, okay. Yeah, Amelia Bones. 
Yeah, so Su- that's why I got confused, too, because Susan was her yeah, middle name. Yeah, I just want to say Susan because I'm just used to that name. Um, Amelia Bones is not on Fudge's side mm. here, and I feel like Dumbledore was kind of looking at her and being like, surely these things were done, like, and she was like, I thought they were. They uh, weren't? Oh, well, yes, those things should be done. Mm-hmm. I feel like she kind of got roped into this, mm-hmm. too, and... Fudge was like, oh, this will be easy, open, close case. We've, uh, yeah, it's all been done. It's all been done. We dealt the paperwork. Just show up. We'll take care of it. Yeah, Amelia B- Bones was kind of like the sounding board for Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And to confirm, well, the protocols are, and this is how it's supposed to be done. Isn't that correct? And she was like, yes, it is. And realizing that Fudge was not doing things properly. Which kind of, I'm, why can Fudge just get away with with that i mean there's no checks and balances for like improprieties from the the leader of the minister ministry of magic there's you know we have a president and we have checks and balances so that they don't get too kingish you know we have a supreme court and we have the congress and we have the three branches and they can all you know have some kind of pull over the other one to kind of keep everything balanced, but it doesn't seem like there's that in the ministry, and it doesn't seem like Fudge gets in any kind of you know trouble for his his lax uh, attitude toward this whole thing. I don't know for sure, but I feel like it has a lot to do with the fact that things have kind of been quiet since the Dark Lord, you know. Since, since he went away, since Voldemort went away, and they tried all the Death Eaters, and they got that all sorted out, I feel like they've kind of had this period where everything's been pretty chill, and I think things just got lax. And not that this is a major case, so this shouldn't be a problem. You know, in reality, Fudge probably shouldn't even be involved in this case. He's the Mystery of Magic. Mm-hmm. You, why is he even why is involved? He in a low-level... You know, with a low level, uh, like I said, misdemeanor level. I hate, I hate yeah. to even call it a crime. It's <laughs> mishap. Yeah, exactly. Infraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he, that should have been the red flag right there that somebody needed to say what's going on because. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's been spinning these stories mm-hmm. that Harry's out of control and that he's lying to everyone, and now that Dumbledore's buying into it and he can't be trusted so maybe people thought he was just kind of taking the reins on this because of the conflict going on Mm -hmm. because it was Dumbledore and nobody else is going to really stand up to him kind of deal so maybe they were like kind of relieved oh he's going to take care of this we'll just all step back and let him take care of it and Maybe there aren't checks and balances for him handling something like this because he doesn't, he shouldn't be handling it. Mm-hmm. It's not his thing. He right. shouldn't be there. Unprecedented territory we're in here. Yes. Uh, Dumbledore is either, in this chapter, he's either saying that the Dementors are no longer under ministry control and that they're working with Voldemort, or he's saying that the Dementors are, are still under ministry control and someone within the ministry is connected with the bad guys. So I, I know it's probably hard for you to remember, but when you first read this do you remember which one you felt was more plausible um i think i agreed with 
both kind uh-huh. of like when he said, Oh, well then they're not working for you anymore. They're doing, they're working for taking their orders from somebody else. I was like, yeah, yeah, they are. And then we said, or somebody in the ministry is telling them, I'm like, oh, there's a spy on the inside. Oh my gosh, you're right. That could be a thing too. Like, I, I, I think I agreed with both and that they, it did need to be looked into. Somebody needs to figure out where the problem is. Yeah. Cause that to me, that's, and, kind of helps me because i've seen the movies even though it's been a while but knowing umbridge and you know kind of her story arc a little bit you know there's obviously some less than savory people within the ministry mm-hmm. and that that's kind of what i'm leaning more toward is that you know voldemort's got people on the inside dumbledore's got people on the inside so it only that's stands true. to reason that's true that he's Voldemort's doing the same thing uh, and has been. We know that he's got information and things like that from mm-hmm. like the Triwizard stuff. He, he had somebody feeding him information. Well, Fudge is getting uh, dunked on by Dumbledore in this chapter. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, the ministry apparently, like we said earlier, they're not even allowed to expel students from Hogwarts. The ministry can't discipline students for actions within Hogwarts. You know, Fudge trying to bring up Harry's pass indiscretions to pile them up on on top of his current charge. And this is where Dumbledore gets a little not mean, but less polite. Mm-hmm. Everything before this is like he said very calmly, he mm-hmm. said very politely, he mm-hmm. politely pointed out, he did this, and now he's like, no. That's mine, you don't get to touch that. And he's not mean or aggressive about it, but he is firm. Mm-hmm. But this is obviously... And an apt kangaroo court, you know, many of whom on this panel are obviously either idiots or in league with Voldemort. And Fudge felt like he had Harry hook, line, and sinker, but underestimated Dumbledore's tenacity and his resources. Am I way off by no? And I think that? he's also um, discrediting Fudge quite a bit because I don't know how many people on that little council or little council, the big council, mm-hmm. uh, knew that he sent this letter. Mm-hmm. The, the original letter said he was expelled, expe- expelled, expelled, and that he was going to get his wand snapped. Yeah, we're coming. We're, we're coming for we're you. Coming it's to get done. Your wand. It's done. You're out of Hogwarts. You had it. You had. We gave you a chance. This is your second time. You're out. We're coming to break your wand. Expect somebody within the hour or something like that. Yeah, and so, and it said. Or Dumbledore said, I had to remind you that you couldn't do that. And then I also had to remind you that you couldn't do this. This sounds so much like a president we just had. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you can't do that. (laughs) And I don't. And so, of course, he had to retract it and send a different letter that said that there will be a hearing to determine, you know, what's going, what will happen going forward. But I'm sure he didn't tell anyone he sent that original letter. I mean, why would you, you wouldn't want anyone to know that you sent that original letter claiming things you couldn't, you couldn't do. Yeah. Fudge, Fudge it thinks would have been illegal. He really just, he's functioning like a king. He thinks he's bulletproof here. And I think he underestimated Dumbledore's, like I said, his tenacity and his resources, his resourcefulness. I don't view it. I mean, I, I know what you're saying about doing whatever you want, being kingly, but I also just kind of I don't feel kingly from him. I feel that he thinks 
I think he knows he oh, really I totally, can't. I totally get a King George vibe from him. <laughs> <laughs> that he thinks it has to be done. Like, yeah. it might have been one of those, maybe this isn't totally legit, but it has to be done for the greater good thing. Yeah. The greater good thing happens a lot in this these books. Yeah. Sounds like King George to me. <laughs> <laughs> or any number of, of royalty. I think of Kingly more just, I want to do it, so I want it, I'm going to do it. More whiny, I Yeah, guess. that's King George from Hamilton. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Wow. wow. Mark your Hamilton Square. In the end, Harry is acquitted of the charges, but Dumbledore just leaves. Okay. Okay, we're done here. Just leaves the room. Not even like a wink to Harry or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And that's just, like I said, it just kind of goes with the the rest of the energy that these two had in this chapter. Like even after all is said and done, he didn't even like a hand on the shoulder or anything like that. It's just, it's got to be just like a weird thing, uh, you know, push and pull in Harry's brain right now of what's going on. Yeah, this whole thing, and, and it, it doesn't, we're, we're stuck like this for a while, and mm. it does. It messes with Harry's brain. He doesn't understand. He's a hormonal teenager. I kind of feel like Dumbledore could have, like, clued him in, but, like, listen, I know this is not ideal but this is what has to way it has to be mm-hmm. like just clue him in or have somebody else clue him in maybe he was just wor- maybe he's worried if somebody would overheard it or yeah you know it's and Harry, let's not forget harry's 15 it's not like we can like expect him to go in there and just like be a great actor yeah. and you know like mrs fig <laughs> even struggled uh with you know some some of the things some of the uh preparedness that she obviously had before going into that tribunal but we can't expect harry to you know maybe dumbledore doesn't trust that harry could pull it off or maybe you know there's always those movies or stories where they're like well i needed you to genuinely react to what i was doing Mm -hmm. so i didn't want you to know so maybe the fact that harry looked a little insecure a little like he was looking up to dumbledore you know, it's not just the the image that Dumbledore's putting off. It's the image that Harry's putting off, too. And Harry went in there kind of, like, smug and confident, like, Haha, we got this in the bag. You can't mess with Dumbledore. He's got this full plan. It's all good. That's not the image that was going to help them the best. Yep. Well, that's the end of Chapter 8, The Hearing. From Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Anything else you want to add about uh, Chapter 8 before we wrap up this episode? I don't think so. I think we really went pretty deep into this one. We dug down to the core. Yeah, there was a lot of... In this one. wasn't a lot of action, but there was a lot of things that happened. Yeah, we and drilled down. Things that meant other things. That's a edu- first time I ever heard that was in some education professional development. We're going to drill down into these standards, and I'm like... I'm going to jump out a window. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I can't, I can't take it. I can't take whatever you're selling the day. It's just not the day for me. No. I can't, I can't do it. But we thank you for sticking around with us, not jumping out any windows. Thank everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. No emails this week, but you can always email us broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at broomsticksb. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Rhino. Follow Jess on Twitter at Jess Rhino. Uh, follow the show, like I said, on Twitter, but also on Facebook as well. 
and whatever podcast platform you're listen, listening to us on, uh, leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, that's the Sunshine uh, Lollipops and Rainbows <laughs> no portion puppies. of it. No, apparently I was wrong. It's not sunshine puppy dogs and rainbows. It's sun, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows every day. Puppies would be better. Yeah. I would rather have puppies than lollipops, honestly. Honestly. All right, you got shout outs. Uh, shout outs. Uh, Jennifer. Who is not in California. The world, world traveler who didn't come to Chicago to see us, but went to... Maine, Hawaii, Texas, South America in the last few months? Yes. Okay. Uh, shout out, still shout out to Jennifer. Uh, shout out to Kelly and Olivia back in, uh, back in Manhattan now. Uh, shout out to Anastasia in Connecticut. Shout out to Jane over in Illinois. Shout out to, uh, Catherine and the fam up in Chicago. Uh, shout out to Mike. Uh, to Peoria. He's also in Illinois. He's part of the. There's more of us in Illinois now than there are in Missouri. And uh, shout out to everybody who uh, we met at C2E2 and who may be joining us for the rest of our journey here. We really appreciate you being with us and spreading the word. And we will be back next time with Chapter 9 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Until then, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a get. Bye. Bye. Somebody.